Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It's good to be back together again and it's good to have those watching online. I was backstage just seeing some of the uh, family members who are watching online, whether it's because they can't get here today or because of sickness. Uh, we are in that crazy season. If you have a sniffling nose, if you have a cough, then we are encouraging you to stay home to protect the family, to protect the community. Amen. And so thank you to the Refresh team who are cleaning not once, not twice, but three times of a Sunday. We really do appreciate it. Elkie and Christy and Paul and the team that have been doing it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really do love it. And we're looking for that team in particular to grow. So if you know someone, uh, they may even look like you. They may look exactly like you actually. Then please, please, please see the girls straight after this service. That really would be much appreciated. Amen. Having said that, we are going to continue our series. As Dan mentioned earlier, the church Rediscover. We're talking about church and it being rediscovered. And we're at week three. We've already done two parts to this particular service. And basically, it's a series that represses the spiritual reset button of the church. The church, we landed at this thought that the church is not a building. The church is not an event we attend. The church is not something we watch online. The church is much more than that. It is a spiritual family that you and I get to belong to. And we've been looking at the early church based upon Acts chapter 2, verses 42, right through to 47. And we see that this incredible young fledgling church were incredibly committed. They were committed to worship. They were committed to leadership. They were committed to fellowship, discipleship, stewardship, and all those ships. And this particular series is an opportunity for us just to delve into some of those ships. And at week one, we looked at worship and we entitled week one, It's All About Jesus. The early church, had a passion and a commitment first and foremost to Jesus Christ Himself. And that's why we started with that one because that's the most important aspect of the church that we remember why we are doing church. We remember what we are here for. Everything that we do, all the serving, all the refreshing, all the giving, all the generosity must come back to a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we unapologetically started this series with worship. It's all about Jesus. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it's all about Jesus. Week two, which was only last week, we looked at fellowship and we entitled that week's message, We Are Better Together. And all of our messages are available to download uh, in many, many ways and you can do that in your own time. And even if you have seen those messages, maybe you want to just refresh yourself with the uh, information that's within those particular messages. Which brings us to week three. And today we're going to be looking at discipleship. Turn to the person next to you and say, Discipleship. And this one's going to test us a little bit more. And if you are visiting for the very first time today, you are absolutely welcome. We want you to know that this building was built with you in mind. And uh, we are just so glad that you are here today. And we want you to sit back, relax and enjoy the service as our guest today. And we look forward to meeting you after the service and having a tea and coffee on us as our guest today. But for those who have called Victory Home and have been part of our family for, for a, a number of weeks, months or even years, we're going to go a little bit deeper today. Okay, We're going to go a bit deeper as we look at this issue of and subject of discipleship. And so the title of my message today is this, God's priority is our maturity. 
God's priority is our maturity. That's what He's interested in. He wants us to grow up. And so in Matthew 28, verse 19, if you have your Bibles, turn with me and we're going to quickly read this important verse of Scripture. And it's Jesus Himself speaking and He said this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. There's that word, disciples. Everyone say disciples. Disciples. Baptising them in the Name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything as I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you knew that you would never see your loved ones again and you had one last moment with them, I would imagine what you would say to them would be something that would be deep and meaningful. In other words, it wouldn't be superficial. If you knew you weren't going to see your loved ones again, you wouldn't say, go crows. In actual fact, in this particular season, you would definitely not say, go crows. I mean, crows are only going further down. I mean, we are just, we've just hit rock bottom. It just doesn't get much worse than that for us. And even for the diehard Port Adelaide supporters that are out there amongst us, even you would not say, go power. Surely, surely we'd, we'd, we'd talk about something a bit more meaningful, a bit deeper than that. In actual fact, seeing Port Adelaide lose last night, for me as a Crow supporter, was about all I've got this year. <laughs> I was watching, it's all I've got. It's all I've got. The fact that Port Adelaide lost the game for me was like us winning the premiership. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. And I was just so grateful to God because I know this, we're probably not going to win a game. So that's where we're at. But even for the most hardened Crows or, or Port Adelaide supporter, I'm sure we would say something a little bit more meaningful than just go Crows or, or go power. It would be something that uh, is deeper, more sentimental and hopefully a lot more valuable. And that's what we see here with Jesus. Basically, this is, this is the last address Jesus gives before ascending into heaven and seated at the right hand of the throne, which is where He has been for the last 2,000 years. And we see that He says to them, I want you to go and make disciples. Now, this is the last thing Jesus said, which highlights just how important this is. He says, make disciples, baptise them and then teach them. Unfortunately, what we see today, we see a lot of teaching, we see some baptisms and we see very, very little discipleship taking place on the earth today. The word disciple simply means to sit at the feet of another. In other words, it's someone who sits, listens, looks and learns. It means to imitate the life, get this, and teaching of the Master. In other words, it's kind of like a little bit of a modern day apprenticeship. And uh, I did an apprenticeship with my dad as a sign writer and I'm so grateful for those days. And I think it gave me an incredible understanding and insight as to what discipleship is because of the way I was uh, taught and trained in my apprenticeship years. My dad not only taught me to apply a certain trade, which was sign writing, But as I worked with him, we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about love and we talked about life and we talked about issues. And so I am so, so grateful for those four years of my apprenticeship because not only did I learn to become a brilliant, amazing, wonderful, fantastic sign writer, but also I learned about love 
Because in my apprenticeship years, I, 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 I met the love of my life. And I remember sitting there working away with my dad. I said, hey, Dad, I met this girl. I met her at roller skating. Her name's Kath. And, and I think she's just it in a bit. And, and Dad would talk to me about those kinds of things and, and, and how to navigate a relationship at an early age. And I'm so grateful for that. I learned how to be a, a husband in my apprenticeship years. I learned how to treat women in my apprenticeship years while I was learning a trade. I learned how to resolve conflict. I learned how to say sorry. I'm so grateful for those years. And when Jesus talks about discipleship, He's talking about an apprenticeship. Andy Stanley says this, and I love it. He says, your greatest contribution to the Kingdom of God may not be something you do, rather someone you raise. What an incredible thought. There is coming a day, church, when we will stand before Jesus Christ and we will have to give an account for every word and every action that we did here on planet Earth. And wouldn't it be beautiful? Wouldn't it be wonderful to say, hey, Jesus, we raised some people. There are some people on planet Earth that are better for us implementing the truths that we learned into their lives. And this was the mandate that Jesus left the early church. You see, discipleship is deeper than friendship. Now, I'm all for friendship. I thank God that I have lots of friends in my life and I am grateful for friendships. Having friendships is one of the greatest joys of my life. In actual fact, one of the things I love about church life is the people that we meet and the friendships that are made and formed and the fact that we get to celebrate all those special moments with people. It was only this week that Tony Bates turned 70 and we had an opportunity to celebrate him and Kath and I sent a bottle of wine around, uh, a blue-eyed boy bottle of wine and, um, and, and, and uh, I just thank God for the times that we've been able to celebrate the birth and, and, and of babies and, and, and people getting engaged and people getting married. And it's just an incredible privilege to say that we've got family and friends in the body of Christ that we get to celebrate those special moments with. Yeah. And without sounding too weird or too morbid, even the fact that we get the opportunity to spend those darker moments, those sadder moments, when loved ones pass away and we get invited into their homes and we get invited into their worlds. I wanna tell you, it's an incredible privilege to have friends in your life, particularly in those moments. So I'm all for friendship. I want you to get that, I'm all for friendship. I really am. In actual fact, friendship, or Christianity, sorry, starts with friendship. Do you know, one of the things that the religious people accused Jesus of, among many things. I mean, they had many things that they accused Him of. But one of the most bizarre things that they actually accused Him of is being a friend of sinners. That they accused Him of drinking, they accused Him of gluttony, and they accused Him of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so Christianity starts with friendship. We need to be friends. We need to be. Jesus was at the parties. He was eating. He was drinking with people. He was befriending them. And I believe that's where Christianity starts. And for us, as we open up our car park on Friday afternoon and invite people from the community into our car park and give away coffee, it's part of that. We just wanna actually build a friendship base with people in our community with no strings attached. We just want people to know we're here, that we care and that we love them and we do good coffee. And here at Victory Church, we do good coffee. All of those watching online, please put in the comments, Victory Church does good coffee. I mean, it's just a truth. And I'm so grateful for that. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so Christianity starts with Christianity. 
But you know what? As wonderful as friendship is, one of my biggest concerns is that for many of us, we've camped there. We've parked there. We've stopped there. And if we go back to the Great Commission, which is the Scripture they've just read, Jesus' final words, the Great Commission was not go and make friends. It was go and make disciples. Why? Because discipleship is deeper than friendship. Friendship Friendship is a beautiful thing. Friendship is that starting point. And hopefully friendships will turn into relationships and relationships will turn into fellowship and fellowship will turn into discipleship. I want to go a bit deeper today with your church and I trust you'll extend me the grace and I, and I, I trust that you'll embrace the importance of what it is that I'm sharing today. Why? Because discipleship is God's plan, God's pathway to bring us to maturity. The word maturity, according to the Macquarie Dictionary, means to be complete in natural and spiritual growth and development. If I was to ask you, who wants to grow? naturally and spiritually, in growth and development. I'm sure most of us would put up our hands. Well, God has a pathway for that to happen. God has a pathway for that to be our reality. And that pathway is discipleship. In other words, and you might wanna write this down, God wants us to grow up. God wants you to grow up. He wants me to grow up. Sadly, not everyone who grows old grows up. In other words, getting older isn't a guarantee that you'll get wiser. Getting older isn't a guarantee that you'll become more mature. Getting older isn't a guarantee that you'll become more Christ-like. And that should be the goal of every believer, that we, out of gratitude for all that Jesus Christ has done for us, we did nothing to earn our salvation. The grace of God is a beautiful thing because it's undeserved, unmerited favour. And we receive this gift through no work of our own. And I know about you, I'm so grateful for that. And out of this gratitude for the salvation that I received through doing nothing of myself, I now want to reflect the love that I have for Jesus in the way I live my life. And that should be the goal of every believer. And for that to happen, we must embrace the pathway of discipleship. And that's why this particular message is so important today. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we read, it was Him, this is God, It was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, evangelists, and some to be teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ, get this, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and get this, and become mature. Everyone say mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. See, God is committed to our maturity. He doesn't want us to remain babes forever. He doesn't want us to be infants forever. I'm so grateful for our three children and they all came into this world as babies. And when they were babies, we did everything for them. They literally would eat, poop and sleep. Eat, poop, sleep and cry a lot. And uh, that was pretty much what you can expect from a newborn baby. And in that season of their lives, we're just gonna love on them. We're gonna clean their nappies. We're gonna put them to bed. We're gonna nurse them. We're gonna do whatever we can for them. But I wanna be honest with you, as they got older, with every passing week 
and month and year. We expected them to grow and become mature. We expected there was coming a day when one day into the future, they would not have to wear a nappy. We were hoping and praying and believing and training and doing all we could to hopefully one day get them out of nappies. And as I can tell you categorically today, our 22-year-old, our 20-year-old and our 13-year-old are out of nappies today. Isn't that good news? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And little by little, slowly but surely, we've seen them grow and become more and more like Christ. And this, this notion, this passion that every parent has for their child is a passion that comes from God Himself for His children, which is you and me. He wants us to grow up. And He's not only committed to our growth, He's given us gifts to help us. And some of those gifts are people people in leadership, people like apostles and pastors. And I thank God that uh, this church is under apostolic oversight and apostolic covering. And I'm grateful for the men in our lives that are able to help us. And I thank God for the women in our lives that are able to help us. People that are older, wiser, more mature than us that can help us make the best possible decisions. I'm so grateful that I can stand before you as a 51-year-old and say that I've never made a major decision in my life on my own. Why would I want to leave big decisions to my limited understanding, my limited knowledge? I thank God that I have people in my world that I can draw from and ask their perspective. This building that we stand in or sit in today was a discussion that we had with apostolic leadership, with people who were further down the track than us. It wasn't just a whim. It wasn't just a thought. It wasn't just a feeling that we had. It was something that we were in consultation with apostolic leadership and we are the better for it. I thank God for these gifts that God has given me. He's given the church and He's given to us as a church in order for us to grow. Not control us, not manipulate us, but to grow us and to mature us. Are you with me today? And so when it comes to discipleship, I've got five thoughts that I want to bring to you today, assuming that we don't run out of time. So here we go. Number one, discipleship takes time. And I believe this is one of the reasons we don't like discipleship because we live in a I want it all and I want it now generation. But it takes time. And the reason it takes time is because it's a process, not an event. And let me be clear about this. While church is not an event we attend, I do believe in events. I love events. I'm grateful for conferences. I'm grateful for youth camps. Many of my memories growing up are incredible youth camps. I think about the incredible youth camps we've had here in this church. And uh, I know, isn't that right, Pastor Dan? We will have more youth camps at Victory Church. We will. I thank God for these incredible events. But as amazing as they are, events without a process will not produce any lasting change. So you might have your breakthrough moment. But in order for a breakthrough to become victory, and we are victory church, not breakthrough church. I thank God for breakthrough moments. But for a breakthrough to become victory, we have to add a process to that breakthrough. And so yes, more youth camps. We will have more conferences. And I thank God for all of those things. But if we are to grow, mature, become more like Christ, we have to add a process to those events. When you're, when, the trouble is when you look for events to change you, it's actually going to lead to disappointment. It brings about a false expectation. Some of you are saying, I can't wait for the next youth camp or I can't wait for the next conference. I can't wait for the next ladies meeting. And when we put all of our expectation on the event, it will never meet us because the event was never designed to change us. I believe events conferences, camps are great places to make a decision. Yeah. 
But to have lasting change, you have to add a process. You know, when I was much younger than I am today, I desired to be a gymnast. I used to look at the gymnasts uh, on the television, particularly uh, at the Olympic time, and I thought, man, I'd love to do that. And so my mum enrolled me into the nearest or in local gymnastics club. And uh, I got all dressed up and I got into the car and I got to the car park and I never got out the car. I froze, I panicked. Some of you don't believe that I used to be really shy, but I was that shy. I could not get out of the car. And my gymnastics career started and ended on the same day. (laughs) And since then, I've watched every Olympics and I always tune into the gymnastics. I still have a fascination with what people can do. It always amazes me how talented these men and women are. And I wanted to do that, but it never actually eventuated for me. Why? Because I never never added a process to getting into the car. I mean, for me to become a gymnast, I would have had to get out the car. (laughs) First step. And then I would have had to attend a class and then attend multiple classes. And so my gymnastics career was over on the very day it started. Are you with me? And we see Jesus modelling this very same thought. Jesus, uh, on one occasion, heals a man. A man who had been an invalid for 38 years. I don't know about you, but that's a long time. And he, was, he, he received a miracle. And I don't know about you, but if I'd been an invalid for 38 years, some of you haven't even been alive that long. But if you've been an invalid for 38 years and Jesus, miracle of miracle, heals you, you think, you think you would do anything. And yet we pick up this story in John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said this to him, See, you're well again. See, you've received your healing. See, the miracle has taken place. But then he says this, But stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Something worse may happen to you. I don't know if you get what's going on here. Healing and signs and wonders are wonderful, But Jesus expects after the healing for a process to begin. And a challenge came to this man. If you don't add a process to your life, actually you could land in a worse situation than you were before. See, unless you follow an event with a new lifestyle, you may lose the benefit of the event. Do you know that Jesus rebuked the cities where He did the most miracles? People say, if we had more signs, if we had more wonders, if we had more miracles today, we would see a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we would see more and more people get saved. Jesus actually refuted that. And Jesus was all about miracle signs and wonders. But in the two cities where Jesus did the most miracles, and you can read this for yourself in Matthew 11, but where He did the most miracles, they refused to believe. In other words, they wanted the miracle but they didn't want to change life. They wanted Him him as a miracle worker, but they didn't want Him as Saviour. And Jesus was bringing a challenge to those that were listening. Hey, it's not enough just to be healed. What are you going to do after you're healed? It's not enough just to get married. Some people come to church looking for a husband or a wife and, and we've seen people looking for a husband, looking for a wife and get married and then we don't see them again. Because you've got to add a process to that moment and that event. Secondly, discipleship, and you won't like this one, but it involves pain. Discipleship involves a measure of pain. In other words, God is committed to your growth, not so much your comfort. 
God has committed to your growth more than He is your comfort. How do I know that? Look at Jesus Christ Himself. The founder of our faith had his life saturated in anything but a comfortable life. And if he experienced a little bit of pain, then we're going to experience a little bit of pain. Do you know the word disciple is a derivative of the word discipline? And no one likes discipline. And, and, and Jesus, we see, correct, correct, sorry, corrected the disciples many, many times. Many times we see Jesus correcting the disciples, in particular a guy by the name of Peter. Peter seemed to get more correction than the other disciples, possibly because he needed it. I mean, on one occasion, Jesus looked Peter fair square in the face and said, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's not a compliment. And I don't care how thick skinned you are, I don't care how tough you are, you know, even if you're a hardened fisherman, that's gotta hurt. I mean, I promise if I went to you, anyone today after service, they said, hey, how you doing, Satan? You're not gonna like it. In actual fact, you'd probably get so offended, we probably wouldn't see you again. But what I love about Peter, he, he hung around. He hung around and, and, and part of discipleship is just hanging around. And Peter hung around enough to be told off again. And he hung around enough to be told off again and again and again because he knew that was his pathway to becoming more Christ-like and more mature. There's a measure in pain. I believe we'll be able to handle the pain more when we understand the purpose of that pain. And the purpose of the pain is because God loves us and He believes in us. In actual fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse five, it says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Isn't that amazing? Not if He rebukes you, but when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as a son. One of the signs of sonship is that He will discipline us. One of the signs that we are a member of God's family is that He won't let us get away with everything we wanna get away with. And that's a wonderful thing. Another thing I know about discipline is this. Discipline is both painful for those who receive it, but also those who give it. It's painful when, when you're receiving it. I remember a, a young kid growing up and uh, my dad, bless him, you know, disciplining me. And that was a different era than today. I mean, everything's so politically correct today, but back in the day, when you got disciplined, you stayed disciplined. And uh, I remember when Dad was disciplining me, he'd say this, he'd say, Tony, you better believe this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I would walk off like this. Some of you young people don't even know what I mean by that. It's just, and I was like, what do you mean it hurts you? This is like, you know, this is hurting me right now. And it wasn't until I become a dad and a pastor, that I realise the amount of pain you receive when receiving discipline actually pales compared to the pain when you actually have to give it. And I believe it's one of the reasons today we don't see discipleship taking place because it's just too painful. It's painful to receive it, but it's actually painful to give it. It's painful to give it. And I believe genuine discipleship happens when we spur one another on. Like I mentioned last week, it says iron sharpens iron. That's when the sparks fly, but that's when we become more and more like Christ. You know, as Christians, we are to challenge one another. And this is rare in a lot of churches. What I've noticed is that Christians tend to settle for small talk instead of the real conversations. Most Christians get offended, not discipled. Would that be fair to say? 
You know, and, and I say these things today because I, I love this church and I want to see us grow and become more and more like Christ. Number three, discipleship requires action. You know, knowledge tells us what we know. But maturity is what we do with what we know. In other words, Jesus just didn't teach them. He showed them. In other words, He didn't just teach about love. He, he showed the disciples and He showed the world and He showed us what love looked like. Jesus taught on love, absolutely. But He also showed the world what love looked like. When He hung upon the cross, and He says, Father, forgive them. May this sin not be held against them. That was Him modelling what love looked like. Discipleship happens when we lead from the front, when we lead by example. And not only did Jesus show them, He also gave them opportunities. He gave them opportunities to rise or fall based upon where they were at. We see that He would send out the disciples, sometimes two at a time, and they would report back to Him. And then Jesus would celebrate with them and He would also bring the necessary adjustments where needed. And we see this in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says, The 72 were sent out with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in Your Name. And He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the powers of the enemy and nothing will harm you. And this is Jesus saying, well done, guys. That's amazing. That's awesome. I celebrate with you the fact that demons were dismissed in your ministry. That's awesome. But then he goes on to say in verse 20, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rather that your names are written in heaven. Can you see what Jesus is doing here? See, discipleship is not always about a rebuke. It's about an adjustment. In actual fact, we see Jesus adjusting the disciples more than rebuking the disciples. And I believe that good parenting is more about adjusting than rebuking. Rebuking is that thing you have to do when you have to do it. But generally speaking, if you have the right conversations early enough, it's more of an adjustment. And we see Jesus say, hey guys, it's great that you've come back excited. I can see you're joyful. That's amazing. And demons are submitting. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Awesome. And you're going to go on to do even bigger and better things. I, I celebrate that. However, I just feel we're getting off track here. Yeah. Because you're making it more about miracles. You're making it more about signs and wonders. Yeah. You're making it more about victory over the enemy. But actually, you know what? The greatest miracle the greatest joy. And everything we do should be remembered that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so it just brings this simple little adjustment. And I believe that discipleship is a lot of adjustments and rebuking when need be. Either way, there's a measure of pain. Are you with me? Number four, discipleship is seen. It's something that's tangible, not ethereal. It's something that's evidence. Discipleship is seen, how? Through our maturity. Immature people always demand a sign. They'll say, where are the signs and wonders? We want to see more signs and wonders. And this is not a new notion. We hear it today, but Jesus heard in His time. In actual fact, uh, Jesus answered them in Luke chapter 11 with this. He says, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Now you may say, what's the sign of Jonah? Well, you'd have to know the story of Jonah to know what the sign of Jonah is. Jonah was that man of God who said no, but then changed his mind and went and did what God had called him to do. He went to the city of Nineveh. He preached a message of repentance and this ungodly city repented. 
What was the sign of Jonah? The sign of Jonah was that these ungodly people responded to the Word of God. The, the sign of Jonah was a message of maturity. The sign of Jonah was pe- were people who weren't enamoured with just signs and wonders, but actually responded to the Word of God. And I believe Jesus was saying that if the Ninevites could respond to Jonah's message, then the Jews could respond to the message of Christ. Sometimes we want signs and wonders so that we don't have to look at ourselves. Sometimes we want these, and I'm all for that. We need to see more signs and wonders. We do. I, I'm not against that. We need to see more signs and wonders. But more than that, we need to see maturity. We need to see maturity. This is what I know. If we had to choose one or the other, and I do believe it's a both hand, but if we had to choose one or the other, the church would be better through growing up and becoming more mature than if we just had signs and wonders. So if I had to choose one, I would say, let's choose discipleship. Let's choose the pathway to maturity. Having said that, let's believe for both. Are you with me? In John chapter uh, 13, sorry. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. He says, as I have loved you, so love one another. And this is the bit I want you to get. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. In other words, if we could showcase discipleship. Discipleship is seen. And if we could showcase discipleship, I believe we could have far more positive impact on the people that we're trying to reach. And number five this morning, simply this, that discipleship operates in family. Discipleship operates in family. And that's why for me, the local church is just so, so important. In 1 Corinthians chapter four, which is a go-to verse of mine, verse 15, the Apostle Paul writing says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I've asked myself many times this question, what, is, what would a modern day guardian look like? If Paul had 10,000, if there was 10,000 guardians out there, what would, what would he be referring to today? And I've come up with this notion that for me, the guardians are the conferences, the podcasts, the keynote speakers, all of which are good, all of which have their place. But as good as they are, they are not sufficient enough. Why? because they don't know you. You might know them, and even what you know about them is limited, but they certainly don't know you. And you might have your favourites out there, and that's fine. And I'm not saying don't listen, stop listening to the podcast. No, keep listening to them. But what we listen to must be firmly established and planted in the local house. Because for us to take something that an American preacher says, he doesn't know your financial situation. He doesn't know the state of your mental health. So when he says something, he doesn't know you intimately. And that's what I love about the local church. That's what I love about the local family is that wisdom can come and context can be found with people who know you. And that's the benefit of the local church. It's a place where you can be known and be known. It's a place where you can love and be loved. Who wants to be known? That's a beautiful thing, but it's also a scary thing. But it is a beautiful thing. Because when we are known, we have the opportunity for people to speak into our lives. And it's on this foundation that Paul says, that's why I became a father to you. 
I didn't keep my distance. I got in your world and I became a father to you. Paul saw his whole mission through relationship. And he said, that's why I'm sending Timothy to you. I'm unable to come, but I'm gonna send the next best thing. I'm not just gonna send you anybody. I'm not gonna send you a podcast. I'm gonna send you my spiritual son, Timothy. He carries my heart. He carries my DNA. And he's gonna pass on to you what's in my heart. So listen to him. We see the Gospel is founded on relationship. For God so loved the world that He sent His only angel, podcast, that He started a conference. No, He sent His Son. The Gospel is founded on relationship. We see that Jesus' mission was founded on relationship. He said, I only see, or sorry, I only do what I see my Father doing. He said, I must be about my Father's business. When He was in the temple and turned over the tables, it wasn't because He was bored. It's because they turned his father's house into a den of robbers. He was motivated by relationship. He was motivated by his love of his father. He only did what he saw his father doing. Isn't this a beautiful thought? Do you know the strategy of the devil is this? In order to stop our potential, he just has to stop our intimacy. You're full of potential. In actual fact, I can smell it. Even online, I can smell it. You are a pile of potential. You are. But the devil wants to rob that potential. And the way he does it is through robbing us of the intimacy. He would much rather us have 10,000 podcasts, 10,000 conferences, 10,000 T-shirts, 10,000 other things than a father, a mother, someone who knows you, someone who loves you, someone who's got your best interests at heart. That's what God wants for you. And that's what the devil wants to kill, steal and destroy. I thank God for the people in my world. I thank God for the ones who have spoken into my life that have, that have risked enough to say some of the tough things in love. Not tough things out of anger, not tough things out of frustration, but tough things in love because they love me. You know, when I was my, doing my apprenticeship with my dad all those years ago, I remember excelling in what I was learning because in order to work for my dad, I needed to learn fast in order to justify the wage that he was paying me. So he invested a lot of time in me. I got very uh, good at my job very quick and I was going to trade school. And some of the other kids that were there at trade school, they weren't even yet picking up a brush. They were just sweeping floors and doing all those typical apprenticeship roles. But because I was working for dad, I, I kind of excelled and, and I hated trade school. It was just boring. For me, it was boring. And I'll never forget what I tried. I tried it on my dad. And, and those who know me and know my dad think this is not going to end well for me. And it didn't. But let me bear with you. Or bear with me as I tell this story. Because I said to my dad, I said, hey, dad, you know, because you're such a great teacher and because you're so good at your job, in actual fact, you're better than all the other teachers at trade school. And, and I feel like I've excelled ahead of my class. And, and I feel like I don't even need to go to trade school anymore. You know, because who, who better to learn than you? I tried that on my dad. And because he knows me, I love the answer he gave me. Someone else might have said, that makes sense. But my dad knows me. And he says, Tony, look at me. And when he said, look at me, I thought, uh-oh, this is not going to go well for me. <laughs> Anytime a parent says, look at me, look at me, it's usually not going to be the best thing you're going to hear, but probably the most helpful thing you're going to hear. And he said, Tony, I want you to finish trade school. For, if nothing else, it's going to teach you patience. It's going to teach you stickability. It's going to teach you how to finish something. And even if you never use any of what you learn there, it's still going to serve you well long term. 
And I'm so grateful for those voices in my life that didn't let me get away with what I wanted to do, what I felt. I'm convinced that we confuse what God is saying with how we feel way too often. To all those young ones who are in university right now and you're struggling with your course and you're starting to say to yourself, I don't know if I really want to do this. Finish your course. And even if you don't do that thing, the fact you finish the course is going to serve you well. It's going to serve you well. That would be my advice. Finish what you start. I'm so grateful for my dad's advice on that occasion. I'm so grateful for the voices in my life over the years. I can stand before you as a 51-year-old and say categorically that I've never made a major decision in my life on my own. All the major decisions have been run through people that love me, know me, care for me and want the best for me. And as a result of doing that, I haven't always got what I want. And I'm grateful for that too. Let's stand together, church. Let's stand together. You know, discipleship is a beautiful, wonderful pathway that God designed in order to help us make us more like Christ. So I just want to pray for us very quickly. Let's worship a little together. Then I want to give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus to accept Him into their life today. It's a life-changing decision. But for those that call Victory Home, for those who profess Christ, I'd love to pray for you that we may take the bold step of embracing the discipleship pathway and becoming more like Him. Father, I just thank You that Your ways are not our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I simply ask and pray today that You would help us afresh today to embrace Your will, Your ways, Your purpose. That we might become more and more like You. That we would not allow the pain. We would not allow the things that we don't enjoy about the discipleship process to rob us of embracing it anyway. We ask this today in Jesus' mighty name. Won't you come and have your way as we worship you together. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 